Boy, the kids were up there a while, weren't they? Glad they all cleared out. All right, you ready for the word? Say amen. amen. I'm excited to preach this this morning. Um, I brought, brought my, my paper Bible, right? Look at that thing. That's big. I said, I'm going to thump somebody with this this morning. I told Danielle, I said, I'm a, coming for you. Um, paper Bible with like maps in the back and stuff. You know, it's cool. It's cool. Um, but I'll, I, like, I like reading my paper Bible and the, and the study notes underneath. And I'll be, be referring to both of them. But we've been in this new series called The Seven Signs. Uh, the Seven Signs. We're talking about the miraculous signs that are found throughout the book of John. And, uh, and revealing who, who God is, who Christ really is. There are actually eight found in the book of John, and we, we may hit the eighth one. But there are all these miraculous signs that, that happen, uh, that Jesus performs miracles, if you will, signs and wonders, the book calls them, in the book of John. And we're looking at them. And John chapter 2 t- told us, we talked about last week, that these signs reveal His glory. And the glory of, of someone, the glory of God in particular, is the truest essence of who they are. But that word glory is, is sort of the, the revelation of whatever person or even object you're talking about. So the glory of an apple tree is an apple. The glory of an orange tree is an orange. And the glory of God is His miraculous power. It's His love. It's His grace. And we're looking at these signs. It's the essence of who that person is, the glory of God. And so we're looking at these signs. And remember last week, we, we looked at water to wine. Remember that? Uh, that was his first sign. And today we're going to look at his second sign. And I'll just remind you that one more time that we talked last week, that uh, a, a sign is a miracle that teaches us a lesson. One theologian said it should not only amaze us, but it should also instruct us. You tracking with me this morning? This is yes? This is no? All right, good. So the point is, we don't, we don't read about these stories here that we're about to go through in these next few weeks. We don't read about them and we go, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That was a cool little reflection. That was a nice little story. No, we, we read them so that we can learn and receive ourselves. So the Bible, you know, is not just a book for, uh, for special people from a long, long time ago. The Bible is living and it is alive. It's for you and for me right here, right now. And I will take an amen. amen. The Bible says that the Word of God is living and active. That means it's right here, right now. And there is a word for, uh, from God for you this morning in Jesus' name. And we are believing for, we said last week, we are believing for miraculous things to happen. We're not just talking about miracles. We're not just preaching about the miraculous or the supernatural or teaching about it. We're believing for things to happen. We're believing for, for, for physical healing for people. We're, we're believing for relationships to be restored. That's a miracle. Some of you have been estranged from someone for a long, long time. And I've heard it from some of y'all's mouths. Boy, it would be a miracle if I ever talked to them again. Well, praise the Lord. You're about to receive your miracle. We're believing for hearts to be mended. We're believing for addictions to be broken in Jesus' name. And by the time this series ends, we're, going to be, we're, not, we're not going to be the same if we do what the Word tells us. We're not going to be the same as individuals or as a church because the glory of God has been revealed in our lives and we're now receiving from Him. 
Y'all, y'all following with me with how that math works out? Good. Here we go. John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles this morning. It'll be on the screen. John chapter 4, in verse 43, toward the end of the, the chapter. John 4, 43. When you have it, say, Woo! Alright, cool. John chapter 4. After the two days, he left for Galilee. So how, what's the day after two days? The third day. Remember I told you last week that things happen on the third day. John is setting us up. John is instructing us. John is pointing us somewhere. He's guiding us somewhere. He's giving us some information. Now he starts right out. And verse 44 is so loaded. Watch this. Now Jesus himself pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his home country. Everybody say honor. Thank you. So... When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. I want you to pay attention to that. The Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. And once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. little reminder, John said, remember that? He's back. And there was a certain official, a royal official, whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Capernaum was about a two-day journey. So that's a big deal back then, right? Two-day journey. It's, it wasn't very far. It just, you know, 15 miles back then was a lot different than 15 miles today. 15 miles on foot is a lot different than 15 miles in a car when you could just get in and go. 25 miles, 50 miles. How far is, is, is 25 miles on foot? Well, Nick, enlighten us a little bit. How easy is that to just book down 25 miles or so? Not easy. Training. Dedication. So this is about a two-day journey from Capernaum. Uh, When this man, the royal official, heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went up and he begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. That's how sick this boy was. Jesus says, unless you people see, I like that, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. And the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. So the man says, I want you to come with me to my house, Jesus. I know you're doing something, but he's a royal official. He's kind of an important guy, and he's kind of used to people coming when he says come. He says, I want you to come to my house. And Jesus replies this. He says, I want you to come, but Jesus replies in verse 50, go. Remember, Jesus will always give us an instruction when we ask for a miracle. We say, God, will you do this? Yes, I will if you will. So Jesus says in verse 50, Go, Jesus replies, your son will live. Hmm. And the man took Jesus at his word and departed. He asked him to come. Jesus says, you go. The man said, right on. And he went, I I took him at his word. Two-day walk, long journey, 51. While he was still on the way, servants met him with the news. His servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Now, this word living is really an awesome word because this, this word actually means recovering. So he was, it actually means, an alternate meaning is he was dressed. So he was like back up. He was out of bed getting better and getting stronger. Everybody say getting stronger. 
Verse 52, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday uh, at about one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And then the guy was like, oh, this is the exact time that Jesus said to him, your son will live. And so he and his whole household believed. Like, how could you not? And this was the second sign that Jesus performed after coming from Judea back to Galilee. And I want to preach from this subject for just a few moments with you this morning. Get back to Galilee. Get back to Galilee. Get back to Galilee. Just a quick reminder, right? A miracle, a sign is a miracle that instructs us. We talked about it last week. And remember that John, by this point, is, uh, is at least a 90-year-old theologian. Um, as he writes the book of John, he's probably about 90 years old. And he's dropping these clues throughout the book. From the very first verse we read this morning, remember after the second day, on the third day. Remember last time when he changed the water into wine. It happened on the third day. Things happen on the third day. He's trying to teach us something. He's letting us in on a few things. He's not just wanting us to, be, to, to read it or be amazed by it, but he's actually wanting us to learn the how and the why the miracle happened. And what does it mean for us, the living word now, alive today, here and now? What does it mean for us? And so the truth of this is, the whole story is in verse 44. That's the key. When you read John chapter 4, you'll find out that Jesus was in Samaria way back in, in John chapter 4. John 4, chapter 4. And now he goes to Galilee. And if, if you read your Bible, you have a paper Bible, or you can look it up you know, on the internet, it's on the Google machine. Nothing? Alright, we're moving on. Uh, the internet's... Nothing, still. If you look at it, you'll see the, the map and see how it looks and where the towns are. And you, you're, you're going to see that Samaria was south. And then it was Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. And then it was Galilee to the north. So Jesus passes by from Samaria. Remember he met with a Samaritan woman by the well in chapter 4? Man, I'd like to preach that again someday. That's, that preaches itself. It's real easy. Um, any of y'all could come up here on any given Sunday. In fact, I invite you. No, I don't. No, I don't. But Samaria south, then Jesus' hometown, Nazareth, and then it was Galilee. So he passes right by Nazareth to get to Galilee, and we're going to find out why. But I just want you to know a little preview that, that this, this body of believers that we're gathered in this morning, this church, this family, uh, Gentle Shepherd, GSN as we call it, right? We're going, we have to make a decision consciously. Are we going to be a Nazareth church or a Galilee church? And if you're a Jesus follower this morning, you have to make the decision. Are you a Nazareth Christian? I didn't say a Nazarene. That's still holy. Right? Because John was a Baptist, but Jesus was a Nazarene, y'all. Right on, Glenn, right? Right? Reverend Glenn Wills with us this morning, right? Welcome. Welcome, welcome, you and Dawn. You have to decide for yourself, though, are you going to be a Nazareth Christian or a Galilee Christian? Here's what Jesus says about Nazareth. I'm not accepted. I, I, I have no honor, the Bible says. I'm not received in my hometown. So he passes by Nazareth. and stop and see old friends. He doesn't hang out. He right up through. Goes right to Galilee. And this whole story, I know you're like, Pastor, I thought we were talking about miracles and how that is. We are. 
But what unlocks miracles is our faith and our faith demonstrated honoring God. What unlocks the miracle, the miraculous in your life is honor. And where Jesus passed by Nazareth because he had, they didn't honor him there. There was no honor. A prophet isn't welcome in his hometown. There was no honor. And, any, and really, if you're going to receive anything from anyone in your life, anyone, the key to receiving from anyone in your life is honor, right? The way you receive from your spouse is by honoring them. The way you receive from authority is by honoring them. And the way you receive from God is by honoring Him. We're talking about honor on this Memorial Day weekend. Because where there is honor... There is relationship, there's a flow, there's a connection. But where there is dishonor, there's a disconnection. You with me? So Jesus goes back to Galilee because of the honor that is found in Galilee. He passes by Nazareth because of the dishonor that is found there. I'll just give you a couple of points really quick. And like I said, the first sermon, um, this isn't really a heavy note-taking, you know, write this down. I want this to get in you. I want this to get in your mind, in your heart, and take it home with you. So you play back the live stream on Tuesday, take your notes then. But I want you to be here, present in the moment, and what God has for you through these words, through this particular series. The first point I'd like to share with you that is Jesus is drawn to honor. He's drawn to to honor. He leaves Samaria and he heads north. He passes Nazareth and goes right to Galilee. And here's what Mark chapter 6 actually says about Nazareth. He says this, that Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own home. And hear this, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Well, what we would see is a really miraculous sign. Jesus is like, I could do that all day. But he said this, that in his hometown, he could not do any miracles there. In case you're wondering, as I said last week too, um, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we believe that Jesus is God, right? And to make no bones about it, we're not saying he was like God. We're not saying he was a, a good person that lived throughout history. We're, we are saying as followers of Christ that Jesus is God, 100%. And Jesus could not? There's nothing that my God can't do. Some of you know that song, right? But let me tell you this, he can't do anything in dishonor. He could not, not would not, could not. See, honor is not about God limiting what He'll do in your life. Honor is about you limiting what God will do in your life. Let me say that again. Honor is not about God limiting what He will do in your life. It's not about keeping you straight or, or you know, keeping you at an arm's length and limiting what He'll do. Honor is about you giving Him the honor, limiting what God will do in your life. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Amen. No. Could not do any miracle. Could not. And so you go, well, that was because Jesus was fully man, and that was His humanity was held back. No, because the book of Psalms says, the Bible, uh, the Bible in the book of Psalms says that Israel, they limited the Holy One of Israel. That's what Psalms says. Limited. 
They put the limit on. They put a ceiling on what God could do in their life in the Old Testament. New Testament. He could not. Why? Because of a lack of honor in his hometown. Where there is no honor, there is no ministry. So what is honor? We talk about honor on Memorial Day weekend, right? What is honor? Honor honor means to give weight to. To give weight to. Honor. To honor is to treat as worthy. Or or one definition is to judge correctly. We We give someone honor. We judge them correctly. So in ancient times, and speaking of giving weight to something or someone, when they had coins in ancient times, they were all cut a little bit differently. Anybody ever seen an ancient coin? You know, they're kind of, not because they're thousands of years old too, but they, were never, they didn't have the technology that we have today to stamp out the same exact coin every single time. So they were a little bit different. So if, if I had five gold coins, and, and Joe, you had five gold coins, uh, they may be worth a little bit more or less based on their weight, actual weight. And so they would weigh them. That's what it was worth. You didn't just go by pieces of coins, but by the weight of the coins. And let me say it this way, regarding our, our, our parable or our, our miracle this week. I never want to take Jesus lightly. Speaking about judging rightly, giving him the honor... I never want to take him lightly. I want to make sure that I'm judging Jesus worthy. I want to make sure that he carries weight in my life. I honor him. I want to make sure that he has weight. And that word honor, the word weight in the, in the scripture that we read is kavat. And kavat means glory. And I want to make sure that I have, I give His glory the proper weight it deserves in my daily life, in my thought life, in my prayer life, in my relationships, in my comings and goings. Give, him the, give His glory the proper amount of weight that it deserves. I want to have His glory on my mind, in my heart. It affects how I walk, how I talk, how I act, how I treat others. Because I honor Him. So one theologian called, uh, called Galilee, Cana of Galilee, Jesus adopted hometown. And I love this. I love this. Nazareth was Jesus' hometown, right? Jesus of Nazareth. We all know. That was his hometown. But Cana of Galilee sort of became his adopted hometown. It became his favorite place to be. And I, I want to submit something this morning that, that might make you a little nervous. I'm not going to drag anybody around on by chains, although I'd like to. <laughs> but might make you a little nervous. So Jesus had a favorite town, apparently, to do ministry in. He, just, he loved going there. He was honored there. He had this favorite place. And I just wonder, I wonder if our church family here could be, ever be, like, like, we won't tell anybody else. We'll say, we won't tell anybody. We won't tell any. I mean, there's a lot of great churches uh, in, in this town and surrounding towns, and, and they're amazing. We thank God for those places. We do. We really do. We thank God that people find what they need at every... That's why there's chocolate vanilla, right? People find different churches where they fit in and where they feel accepted and where they kind of grow as a Christian and all that. And, and, but, 
like we won't tell any of them, but what if it became like this, our little thing like this? What if we became Jesus' favorite home church? Because we worshipped Him so rightly, we loved Him and honored Him so wholeheartedly. What if we loved each other so greatly and we honored God in such a way that He went, listen, I love, I love everybody. Like I love every, every church that gathers on a Sunday. They're all awesome. But I really love you guys. What if, like, and, and I know some of you are like, you know, staring at me. That's okay. But there's, he would just say to, you know, there's just, there's just something about the way that they praise, something about the music, something about those people. It's not the talent. It's not the gifting. It's not the humor. But it's not how we look on the outside. But there's something about the heart of those believers that, that gathers in that house. And I just feel so welcome there. I feel so loved there. I just wonder. And you look at me and you go, oh, come on, pastor. You know, God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. Yes, he is. I know. He's everywhere all the time. But let me say this. He doesn't manifest everywhere. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. He's enthroned in praise. He is seated. He inhabits. He takes up residence he is most at home, most comfortable in praise. And the level of your comfort is relevant to the level, level of your, own, your, vulnerable, your vulnerability. I could say it. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Comfort level. If I go into your house, George, if I go to your house, I might say, can I have a glass of water? But if I'm at my house, I just go and raid the fridge. Because it's my house. And what we do is we turn, when we praise God, we turn brick and mortar into His house. When we worship God, we turn concrete and wood into His house. And He feels comfortable to then reveal things and show us His glory. He feels welcome to manifest Himself, to show up here, and to speak into our lives when we gather. We've created here Amongst us, Jesus' followers and those seeking Him, we've created a space and a place for the honor of God Himself. And our worship creates the throne. And where there is honor, Christ is seated. I want to show you, though, how it can get out of control quick. The honor, the honor, the honor spiral. The honor slide. If we're not careful, we can get into this. First of all, it always happens when people are first saved, right? When they first come to know the Lord, their eyes are open. They see it for what it is now. They see Him for who He is. And they kind of they come to that relationship and high honor. High honor happens right then, right? This is like, you know, what they say in Scripture. They say, we have never heard this kind of teaching and preaching before. Like when Jesus is on the scene, people get saved and they're like, we've never heard this before. 
We've never seen so much authority. And they're like, wow, God is so good. And every, and you know, the, and you, you might get first saved and you feel that high honor. You think you come to church, you're like, man, that song was, was just for me. How did you know? And every time the pastor preaches the message, it's like, wow, that was, he like he knows, he like knows what I'm going through. It, it was just for me. And every time I read the Bible, the words just sort of jump off the page. And it's just honor, honor, honor. But then if we're not careful, we fall into familiarity. Isn't that just a carpenter? Isn't that a carpenter's son? Familiarity. Like, we know, we know this Jesus. He's... In his hometown, this is what started to happen. They look at him and say, well, he grew up here. He's a carpenter. He's a carpenter's son. Well, who does he think he is telling me how to live? Telling me I need to serve. Telling me I need to, I need to give. Telling me I need to forgive that person. Telling me, telling me I need to... Jesus is just the carpenter. And if He's just the carpenter in your life, He can get you and build you a new chair. But if He's the Christ, He will give you a new life. If Jesus is just a carpenter, familiarity, He will give you a new table. But if He's the Christ, He'll seat you and He'll feed you in the presence of your enemies. If he's just the carpenter, he can do something natural. If he's the Christ, he can do things that are supernatural for you. Have you settled for just a carpenter? Is Jesus just the carpenter? Is Jesus just someone who existed in history? Why settle for the carpenter when you can have the Christ? And after that happens, the familiarity, there, there comes contempt. This, that's what his mama said, right? Remember his mama said, he's crazy. Look a few chapters later. Remember when, he, last week, we were talking about, she said, do whatever he tells you to do. He's the Messiah, I know it. Tell him, just do what he says. A couple chapter later, chapters later, he's lost his mind. He's just crazy. We're trying to get him out of here, don't worry. We're trying to get him out for real, read the Bible. It's crazy. Contempt then will turn right into dishonor. And remember those that were questioning Jesus and said, He is possessed by the devil. So contempt turns into dishonor. And eventually, that dishonor turns into division. Crucify Him. And I want to be as bold as I can be this morning and be as gentle as I can be with you all this morning. We must not, church, listen to me this morning, we must not grow casual with Christ. He is kind. He is our friend. And He is. He is loving and gracious and a good shepherd. But folks, He is God. And we are to honor Him. We are to judge Him worthy. We, are, we, we don't want to become at all casual about worship. Casual. Come in with our coffee cup and, you know. We ask you to sing, sing along with us, stand and sing, right? And we don't ever want you to just, we'll never put cup holders on these seats. Don't ever worry about that. If you need, if you need hydration during, your, during service, I get all that, bring it. But during praise time, during worship, might we never get casual about that. I've seen some things. 
and some of y'all have too, where, you know, let, oh, let's raise our hands. And well, you raise one hand. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, your goodness is running out. What was that? Oh, running after me. You're... Never become casual about your worship. Never become casual about Jesus. Because you know why? Because we basically, we come in this room at 1030, we leave around noon, no comments from the peanut gallery, or it's going to be a long two hours this morning. But basically, we get get an hour, an hour and a half. That's it. I I get you for an hour and a half. TikTok gets you for four hours a day. Facebook gets you, you add your time up, how often you scroll. I wish there was something to clock that. How often you open that app up and start scrolling. They get you for four or five hours a day. I get you for an hour and a half. Social gets you for four hours a day. News gets you for hours a day. Netflix, your teeth, they get you for hours on end per day. I got you for an hour and a half. And I'm explaining that to you right now because he's not our carpenter. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this, this up here, this is not a concert. And, and this is not a TED Talk this morning. It's not a comedy show. It's the house of the living God. And we've come to worship our God. And where there is honor... There is ministry. And where there is honor, there is a flow, there's communication, there's, there's, there's something that happens when there's honor. The flow of the Holy Spirit. Go a little bit further with you this morning. And I want everybody to feel comfortable, right? I want you to be able to bring your friends, come to church. I do, I really do. But please understand that, you know, that from this pulpit, I know, I know some things. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware that there are people that come into church, into this church, who have never been to church before. Occasionally we'll get the visitor who comes in who's never been to church before. And I'm aware that there are people that might come in here with some kids in tow, and they might be worried about, I don't know, we send them back there? I don't, what's back there? I don't even know. Try and make it a welcoming place, but there are people that, that are trying to find a place here. And I'm aware that there are people that have never heard this message before. I'm aware of all of that. And yet, I'm spirit-driven. I'm spirit-led. This isn't my house. This isn't your house. This is God's house. And we will honor Him here. And I'm not trying to run everybody off and trying to preach anybody out of our church. But I will say that if we, if, if we build a house with no honor for the Lord... Forget honoring each other, right? We'll never do that. But more importantly, we will never be able to receive from God. We'll come in and we'll spectate, but we won't receive without honor. So we will honor Him first. And that's how miracles... And when I say miracles, don't get all funny on me. Miracles is the intervention of God in your life. If, if, if God's going to do anything in your life, it's, it's got to come from a place of honor. And it starts with the Word of God. 
Honor starts with the Word of God. This guy that we're talking about in this account, he's a nobleman, which means he's kind of a, kind of a big deal. He's, he's, he's maybe a prince in his own region, and he was of royal descent, it says. And he was very wealthy, he has a lot of authority, and when he asked Jesus to come to his house, he kind of wasn't like, I- I'm not asking you, I'm kind of telling you. He's demanding it, almost. He's expecting a yes. He's kind of takes that, 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 that status of, do you, do you know who I am? You know, would you come to my house? It wasn't like, would you please, if you have some time, could you? He's saying, I am who I am, Jesus, let's go. He's demanding it. He's expecting a yes. But he's not expecting a yes by faith. Like, if Jesus comes, I know it'll be okay. No, he's expecting a yes because of his clout, his authority. You're coming to my house. You're going to heal my son. Let's go. Talking to Jesus like that. You know, you do. And Jesus goes, no, that's not how this is going to work. The guy says, come with me to my house. Jesus says, go, and your son will live. Now, this guy, I mean, if, if it was any other guy that had his kind of authority. But we get to this point where Jesus gave him a word. We have to get to a point where a word, just a word, just his word is enough. I don't need some kind of trial. I don't need some kind of tribulation. I don't need to spend money. I don't need to beg. I, I got a word from God. The Bible says that he took him at his word. Jesus said, that's not how it's going to work. Just go. And your son will be well. God teaches through the word. And John, remember John, these these. He's setting us up for further instruction. The Word. God instructs and moves through the Word. God responds with the Word. Come to my house. Heal my son. Jesus gives him a command. You want a miracle? God's going to give you a command. He's going to tell you to go do something. If you will, I will. Heal my son. Well, then go. So he gives him a command. Go. And a promise. Your son will live. And this is how God gives you the the clear command. Here's how I know what to do. Then I have a promise. I get the command. Go. And then God gives me a promise. Your your son will be well. Here's what I can do. Here's what God says he's going to do. The command is my part. The promise is God's part. So whatever God's telling you, whatever God tells me, whatever, whatever impression I feel on my heart, whatever, however the Holy Spirit's working, whatever God's speaking to me in prayer, whatever scriptures are clear to me, I obey. That's my go. I don't do it perfectly every week. No, no peanut gallery. I don't do it perfectly every time. I don't go every time perfectly. Like God tells me to go. Listen to me. I will guide you. But I'm walking out my faith. I'm believing the word of God. I'm standing on God's command and instruction for my life. I'm honoring God's command over my life. My son's going to live. My marriage is going to thrive. It's going to get better. God is going to sustain you through a famine. God is going to see you through. We ask for miracles. God gives us instruction. I talk about it a lot, but you can't get away from it in the scriptures. Oh, yeah, pastor, 
Pastor God, oh, you don't know, God. You don't know, Pastor. God's got to fix my wife. Uh, son, let's work on you. You want to see the miracle? Well, let's work on you. We're going to give you some instruction. Go the other way. Lord, you speak to my husband. Are you even listening? Lord, oh, fix my crazy teenager. They jo- God says, let me give you a command. I'll give you some wisdom. Lord, talk to my boss. He's so out of whack and he, I just can't. Talk to him, Lord. Oh, uh, let's, let's talk about you about being humble and some humility. Let's bring it home up here, right? Oh, oh, oh pastor. Talk, Lord, talk to my pastor. Oh, I'm just not getting fed. I need to be fed. I just don't feel fed anymore. Talk to my pastor. You know what God will tell you? Let's talk about your diet. Let's talk about what you're eating. Being fed. Do you come hungry? We demand these things out of God, but He gives us wisdom. He usually... He usually shows himself in a way and he he answers in a way that we didn't expect but we honor him jesus come to my house and jesus speaks a word and this spoken word will not only build your faith it'll change your family forever because look what happened to this man it's going to send ripple effects god sends a word to one person i always say this he can intersect a family that was never following anything that God said to do, wasn't following God at all. He can come into a family, intersect that family tree, and then he could grow new branches all over the place. God says that people are going to understand that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And then he says, I will send my word and heal their land. There is power in the word There is power in the Word. He took Jesus at His Word. Why do you think we we go to the trouble of live streaming? Good morning to everyone joining us. If there is anyone joining us, half of them are here. But why do you think we do that? Because we believe that there is power in the spoken Word. That when the Word of God goes forth, it could be here, it could be here, it could be however... But there is power in the word. Maybe there's somebody listening or watching today that needs a word from God. Did you know someone was actually saved because they tuned into our live stream? And they connected with someone in the church? I mean, come on. There's power in the spoken word. We take the casual approach because we don't want to honor God's word. And we don't honor words. Remember back in the day when you could do business on a handshake? Remember that? You know what? That's great. You're going to do it? I'm going to do it. All right, great. Let's shake on it. Boom. And it was done. But now contracts are like longer than the Cheesecake Factory menu. I appreciate that. There's a lot on that. How do you even decide? But now contracts are so long and so convoluted, right? Anything we want to get done here at the church or anything you need to do for for a contract for your home or your business, my goodness, you're signing, 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 signing. Because... We no longer honor someone's word. We don't honor their word. Jesus would say it like this. In the Old Testament, you would say, honor my word. We would honor that word. Even above my own name, the Old Testament says. God would say, I honor my word. See, to God, words have the power of life and death. God's word is supernatural. 
The words mean so much to Jesus. You know what he called himself? Somebody help me. The Word. The living Word. The Word. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Greek there, the Word, is logos. The logic of God, the, the mind of God, the voice of God, the sound of God, the breath of God, the Word of God. That's how much God loves His Word. And how powerful His Word is. And this man, he has a shift in his faith. He goes from demanding that Jesus come home to, I'm going to take Him at His Word. And he starts the walk of faith. He meets Jesus and says, Jesus, this is what I demand. And Jesus says, go. And he took him at his word and he turned and he started walking. This is your Monday through Saturday. You come here on Sunday, you get a word from God, you get excited about that word, and you get wisdom and you get revelation from God, the Holy Spirit, not from me. And now you got to walk it out. And here's this guy. He gets his word. I'm going to take him at his word. And I'm going to start to go. He said, my son will live. And I'm, <laughs> I wonder, though, on that journey, if, if this guy, first of all, was married, because he might have had one job. Go get Jesus. <laughs> and he's walking. And it's just him. And I wonder if the thought crossed his mind. You had one job, and here you are by yourself. But the man knows that the, first the walk was two days, right? So he's walking, and he finds out the answer the next day. And he says, you know what? God, only, God will not only give you the power to walk it out, He'll give you the peace to sleep. He gets the word the next day. So he gets, here's the word from the Lord. It's a two-day journey. And it says the next day he got the word about his son. He was able to sleep that night. Somebody's going to sleep better tonight. And it's not because you know anything or anything's changed, but it's because you got your word. Someone's going to rest tonight because you got a word from God this morning. Someone's going to keep walking today because you got a word and it'll see you through. The man didn't see it yet, but it was enough. The word was enough. The next day his servants find him, and he says, you know what, your son, he's walking, he's talking, he's dressed, the fever broke, and here's, here's, the, here's what this healing word means. It means that he's, he's getting stronger, is what the word says. When he says, your, hunt, your son is living, healed, dressed, getting stronger. There are times in our life when, when God will do an instantaneous microsecond miracle, right? We see that, but we believe that. But He also, and more often does, progressive works in your life. And what happened to this boy was a process. The fever broke. He started getting stronger. He started getting healthier. Then he started getting, literally in the Greek language, by the time we left the house, they said he was clothed. He was walking around. He was up out of bed. Back to, to being a, a, little, a little kid. He said, my child, right? She's probably a teenager, a little toddler, drawing on the walls and terrorizing the cat. Nothing. He was back. He was getting stronger. And all the guy needed was a word. He needed a word to start walking. And he was walking out his faith. And he took Jesus at his word. Randy, would you come? And as the service, as we close this morning, 
I want you to pray for yourself as the service closes. We're talking about honor this morning. Honor. Honor starts with the word. And you know, we don't take words lightly, or at least we shouldn't. And I'm not talking about the volume of our words. I'm talking about what comes from your heart. Words. The Bible says, if you would confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you will be saved. And would you stand this morning and join us as we close? And I wonder if you would confess with your mouth and believe with your heart And I wonder if you would say to yourself, if you would pray for yourself, in the name of Jesus, I'm getting stronger because you got your word. Because you received something from Him. Because you honor God, you can receive from Him. Because where there is honor, there is this connection, there is this blessing, there is this flow. Remember, he went to Galilee. There's no honor in Nazareth. I'm going to keep going. And those miracles started happening in Cana of Galilee. And I wonder if you got your word this morning because of something that God has revealed to you. Maybe your, 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 your marriage is better because you got your word. It's being restored. Maybe, maybe, maybe relationships in your heart are already being mended. You just need to reach out. Because you got your word. Maybe minds are being renewed this morning. Maybe you have such a history of being disconnected from from God and from from the church family and all of that, and you have this. You've gotten a word. You think, "Oh, this is home. I found this is home." Remember, we're not just teaching and reading about the things these miracles. We're believing for miracles. We're believing for the intervention of God Himself into your life. Do you honor God? Do you honor Him? Have you heard a word from Him because you honor Him? And now you can walk it out and receive because you honored Him? Would you bow your heads with me this morning on this Memorial Day weekend? You honor God by your presence here this morning. That's a step in the right direction. A lot of other places that a lot of people in here could be this morning. But I always say that none of you are here by accident this morning. Somehow, God has orchestrated time and space for you to be standing where you are right now. And so as we close, whether you're here for the first time or the thousandth time, or the ten thousandth time, I wonder if you've received a word from God this morning. About whatever you were seeking him for before you came in here because this is your opportunity to leave here differently than when you came in 
When you came in, you didn't have hope. When you came in, you didn't have answers. When you came in, you were confused. When you came in, you were hurting. You had relationships that were broken. You had a mind that was divided. You had hearts that were disconnected. But now you've received a word from God because you realize that you honor Him. You put Him first. And it's because of that honor that He will deliver. And you will be able to receive from Him. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, as we close with a word of prayer, if you've received your word from the Lord this morning, I'll lift you in prayer and I will keep you in prayer. But I want you to honor God this morning. If you've received your word and now you're going to walk it out, with no one looking around this morning, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I've received the word from the Lord this morning. I've gotten answers. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me as I go. Amen. Amen. I see you. Amen. Amen. Over here. Yep. Pastor, I've received my word. Amen. pray with me. Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us this morning. Thank you, God, for clarity. We came in seeking something this morning, God. We came in expecting you to reveal something to us. We came in this morning, God, not wanting to leave here the same as we came in. We came here with with concerns. We came here with burdens. We came here with Addiction, we came here with brokenness, we came here, Lord, with loneliness, all kinds of things, God, we came here with this morning. But God, we are acknowledging those that have had the courage and those that haven't raised their hand this morning, God. We are acknowledging, we are honoring you, Lord, this morning. And because of that honor, we can receive from you what you have, your your help, your guidance, your wisdom, your discernment, your healing, your power. Father, I don't know how people walk through this world without you. But because we've heard from you this morning, God, I lift those before you that have gotten their word this morning. It's a word of encouragement. It's a word of decision. It's a word of comfort, peace, sustainability. Whatever that word was this morning, God, that they needed, I thank you, Lord, that you've shown up in a supernatural way this morning. Because of our honor, we receive from you, God. A broken people, a sinful people, are able to receive from a holy God because you, God, are first. In this place and in our lives, we will honor you. Might we become, Lord, your adopted hometown. Might we become, Father, more Christ-like, as your people because of the honor that we give you. Father, be with us as we go about our ways. Keep us all safe this weekend. Father, as we leave this place and we depart and we go into this lost world that needs you, might we not depart from your presence, God, as we go. Go with us now, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. 
We ask for your help and your blessing, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everyone said, Amen.